0: Welcome to the Life Church of Kansas City podcast. Please consider following, sharing and supporting by giving at tlckcmo.com. May you be blessed by the word of God. Last month was the National Mental Health Month and we did what we could to inspire, equip, inform minister wellness to our congregation and we trust the trickle down into our community. And we thank all of those Terry and Wendy Bennett and Natalie Berry and others that came alongside and helped us to address this very important issue. And I want to say something to Somebody here today, there's a lot of pain in this room today. I can feel it. I can see it. But I have good news for you. I have hope. I have a message of hope that there is life on the other side of your pain. there there is if you'll just keep moving there is going to be another side and it's going to turn and there is life on the other side of brokenness whatever you were before Christ that is no longer your identity the bible uses the language of New creatures. Everybody say new. Say creature. Creature, that's that's sort of a weird, you know, you want to go to your science fiction movies and, you know, the creature from the Black Lagoon and all of that. This is not that. Paul said, you are a new creature. That'd be good if you'd turn to somebody and tell them that right now. You're a new creature. The word new means youthful, fresh, regenerated. The word creature means to fabricate, to form. When you are born again, you are made over. And after you're born again and life takes a turn, you never saw coming. And life hits you like a truck, Mark. Mark carries pictures everywhere he goes when he was run over by an 18-wheeler. He shouldn't be alive. He shouldn't be here. But there's life after broken, amen? There's life after the crushing. There's life after the pain. And when you are born again, listen, you are not a mere makeover. It's deeper than that. When you are born again, you're not like, you know, Some of you guys flip houses. You know, new carpet, new cabinets, you know, new paint. Make $100,000, flip the house. There's more to it than that, I know. But we're not talking about flipping a house or a makeover. But when you've been born again, you are born all over again. Which means in Christ, you now have a new father You have a new mother, you have a new bloodline, you have a new DNA, you have a new family, you have a new identity. Now listen, we all go through things, we've all suffered things. You know, I've been broken, you've been broken, everybody's been broken. If you haven't been broken, you're going to get broke question is not, are you going to hurt? That's not the question. You will hurt, so have a nice day. And I, I, don't, I don't want to sound cynical here today, but cry me a river, build a bridge, and get over it. Because through Christ, you may be broken, but you don't have to stay broken. And through Christ... You may have gotten mistreated, but you don't have to be a victim the rest of your life. Come on, I've been mistreated. I should be a serial killer by now. I've, been, I've hurt so bad in my life, I ought to just want to kill everybody. But I learned the secret of prayer, and I learned the secret of taking my pain to a prayer room. And I learned the secret of weeping tears. God, did you hear what they said? Did you hear what they did? Did you see what they did? You know what, when we pray prayers like that, Jesus is like, "Mm mm-hmm, I know exactly what you're talking about. Yeah, I've been there, oh yeah, I got the, I don't have the t-shirt, I've got the cross, hallelujah. I've been there, I got the cross, amen. I've already been to an empty tomb, I've already come out. There's life on the other side of an empty tomb. There's life on the other side of the pain. There's life on the other side of brokenness. And listen, sometimes we can spend so long in addiction, and I was talking to Brother Les about this before the service, and I've, I've reached out to others. I've, I've never been an alcoholic. I've never been a drug addict. I've never suffered the pain of divorce. I, uh, my kids, by the grace of God, are walking with God today. I don't. I don't worry about them. Well, Michaela's in Detroit. Maybe I need to worry about her a little bit. (laughs) She's at Brother Wilson's at the International Church for a one-month internship. And Brother Wilson says, we in the hood. But she's there on a mission. She's there. She has a heart for people of the Islamic faith. And she's going to go. She's there. To make disciples. But I'm I'm here to tell you. That I know what it's like to be in pain. But listen. The pain doesn't have to be your identity. For the rest of your life. Huh? You know, I feel bad for a guy in the Bible named Simon. I don't know how this happened. I'm not talking about Simon Peter. I'm talking about Simon the leper. And even after he was healed of his leprosy, he still called Simon the leper only to distinguish him because Simon was a popular name in first century Judea. And if I'd be like Simon reading the Bible, I'm like, uh, can we come up with something else? (laughs) You know, I was a leper. I'm not ashamed of it. I had nothing to do with it. It happened. I got exposed to leprosy, but one day Jesus touched me, and one day Jesus healed me, and I got my life back, and I got my family back, and I got my wife back, and I got my kids back, and I got my job back, and I got the culture back, and I got the society back, and I'm here to tell you, once you're a leper, you're not always a leper. Amen. Once you've been marked by sin, you don't always have to bear that stigma of sin. Come on. Amen. I I I'm being careful today. I, I don't I don't I said Lord help me to tone it down today <laughs> because I really do I just want to walk into your life and I want to help somebody today. I got such a burden for the pain that's in this house. You see, Paul said, he, he named all these things, these crazy things that people got into. He said Don't you know that the unrighteous will not inherit the kingdom of God? This is 2 Corinthians 6. Do not be deceived, neither fornicators or idolaters or adulterers or homosexuals or sodomites. Am I in the Bible? Nor thieves, nor covetous, nor drunkards, nor revilers, nor extortioners, and then add whatever mess you were in. Just put your thing on the list that was a work of the flesh, that was a work of selfishness, that was a work that was hurting people around you and destroying things around you. But I love the Bible because the Bible is the greatest message of hope. The Bible is still the answer. For the broken world that we are in today. You cannot throw enough money at the school system and fix the kids. You can't throw enough money at, you know... Uh, Alcoholics Anonymous or all the programs and thank God for all the programs but I'm going to tell you that they are just band-aids. The only thing that will get to the root the only thing that will get down to the heart of the issue is a conversion. It's obedience to the gospel of Jesus Christ. That's the only thing. It's the only hope. And Paul says And such were some of you. And notice what happens. But you were washed. You were sanctified. Come on. That's a powerful word. Sanctified means I'm moving out. I'm moving on. I'm putting foolishness behind me. I'm getting rid of the stuff. I'm shaking off everything. That the world tried to put on me. I'm entering into sanctification. Oh, and then he sealed it. He said, and you are justified. Okay, don't raise your hand. Have any of you stood before a judge? Just look straight ahead, everybody. <laughs> and you know he's got you dead to rights. You did it, you said it, you stole it, you drank it, you shot it up, you broke it. You cheated the government, whatever. They've been cheating us for a long time. (laughs) And the judge says, you're guilty, but I'm letting you go free that's what justified it's really more than that the judge comes out from behind the judgment bar and he says you know what i already did your time i already i already served sentence for you you're the one that should have died but i did it for you justification is a legal term it means i can't find a record of your sin come on there is no more record stop beating yourself up stop letting the devil whip you down there is no more record the Bible said there is therefore now no condemnation who are in Christ Jesus who walk not after the flesh but after the Spirit if you there I go again <laughs> If you repented of your sins, if you quit it, if you admitted it, admit it, quit it, and forget it. (laughs) That's not in the Bible, but that's in the book of Gleason, chapter 3, verse 22. So Paul looks at the judge and he says, Agrippa, my father-in-law pastored a small country church for a few years and uh, then he lost his organist to Bible college and then she met the debonair, the young Stan Gleason." And I stole my father-in-law's organist. And that was a sweet country church. There were sweet people there. And there was an old preacher. What was his name? Whitehead? Whitehurst, Brother Whitehurst. Brother Whitehurst was awesome. One Sunday morning, we were there. He has glasses on. He's reading the Bible. He's over there in Acts chapter 26. He said, well, let's turn over there to Acts 26. Old gripper there. Old Agrippa. Agrippa is in the judgment seat. And who is it that's happy? (laughs) What's wrong with this picture? Paul is saying something like, Agrippa, I consider myself fortunate. I consider myself blessed. Get the incongruity of this portrait. Paul's the one standing in shackles, being falsely accused of trying to start problems and riots and seditions and heresies, and he was guilty of none of it. All the usual accusations that came against Paul throughout his ministry, and why would he not be surprised? The day he got saved, Ananias prophesied All the things he was going to suffer. But Paul is not the one sitting in the judgment seat. But he's the one that's happy. And this is what I came to tell you today. Paul understood the power of having the mind of Christ. I think myself happy. When's the last time you took control of your mind? You know, I think we're lazy in America. We're lazy. We don't ever have to think. You know, usually used to be when you go buy something, somebody'd have to count out the change. Let's see, that'll be 998, $10 bill. I mean some people they 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 couldn't make change if their life depended on it. You remember those days? They are like, okay, 435. Well, let me see. Now they don't have to figure it out, they just punch the button. Yeah. Entertainment. We're entertaining ourselves to death. We don't have to think about anything. All the automation. That's in our world, but Paul understood the power of a converted mind. He revealed the state of his mind. See, he was a Roman citizen, and he should not be been treated the way that he was treated. He's the one that should be agitated and upset and furious. And beside himself. That's serious when you're beside yourself. That's big trouble. But Paul refused. And I wish I could get on Fox News tonight. He did not act like a victim. He said, I think myself happy. He didn't demand to defund the Roman guard, the police, because he was mistreated. I'm not not giving a political message, but I'm saying today, there's power in bringing your mind into the captivity of the word of God and Jesus Christ and refuse to buy in to the victimization that is the pop culture answer to everybody's problem. Well, let's cry about it. Let's get on. E- let's weep on each other's shoulder. We don't worry about any solution. Let's just victimize everybody and let's itemize everybody and give everybody a million dollars and, and 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 you know just just throw money at it. Listen, that is not the answer to what is going on in the world today. I can't think of the songwriter's name right now. We just sang one of his songs at the camp meeting. Take me back. Andre Crouch had the message. Jesus is the answer. Oh, I'd love to sing that. For the world today. Above him there's no other. Jesus is the way. Paul was in a mental state of tranquility, peace, Contentment and confidence. How did he get there? Look at a paraphrase of Philippians 4. You can put up the New King James, that's fine. Or if you have the message, I think this was a late scripture, but Philippians 4, I want you to get the picture. When Paul's writing this, he's sitting in a prison in Rome. He's awaiting trial, a trial that could end his life. Verse 10, I'm glad in God, far happier than you would ever guess. Rat is running over his toes. Happy that you're again showing such strong concern for me. He hears the rattling of chains and the opening of shutting of closing prison doors. Not that you would ever quit praying and thinking of me. He's got a chill. That's why he asked for his cloak when he wrote to Timothy. You just had no chance to show it. Actually, I don't have a sense of needing anything personally. I've learned by now to be quite content, whatever my circumstances. I'm just as happy with little as I am with much, with much as with little. I found the recipe for being happy, whether full or hungry, hands full or hands empty. Whatever I have, whatever I am, I can make it through anything. In the one who makes me who I am. I, have, I want to say something to somebody who's really feeling bad about your circumstances and your situation. And I said, I know literally from what people have told me, but I also know spiritually that there's a lot of pain in this house. You know, my brother-in-law and I, Rod Pamer, beside my wife and course my family in a different way he's my best friend and we talk sometimes two or three times a week and he's been a pastor for many years he's wise he's part of my covering and uh, we were talking about a mutual friend who pastors in Detroit he's about 10 years 10 12 years younger than us and about a month ago he had a massive stroke he's a pastor in fact he pastors some of Andrea and Pam's relatives, a massive stroke and paralyzed and had a brain bleed. And, and, you know, after 30 days, they say that, you know, with each passing day, it's going to be more and more difficult for a stroke victim to recover. And he's still got teenagers at home. And, and when, when we talk about situations like this, my brother and I, and when we pray for people that have been suffering, he always tells me, Stan, I don't have any problems. Just look around this world. How big really is your problem? Come on. I don't have any problems. And do you understand what I mean when I say that? I'm not minimizing anybody's pain. But Paul understood how to be content. I'm glad that I can say by the grace of God, I did not wake up this morning and head toward a bar. I did not have to have a beer at night by 9.30 this morning to medicate my troubled mind. I did not have to have a needle in my arm, a fix. I don't even know how to talk about drugs. I don't even know what to call it, a joint. I didn't have to get high. I didn't have to go spend money. A pastor friend of mine told me that a backslider in his church who just prayed back through told him that he spent $30,000 a year on alcohol, grew up in the church, and through a life of Christ away but thank God he came back and now he's finding life on the other side of broken but if he was here today i would tell him you're not going to be an alcoholic for the rest of your life you're set free you're delivered praise God you know i'm one of the happiest most joyful people I think that you'll ever find and it's not fake. I can't stand fake. If it's not real, it doesn't help anybody. And uh, I got a picture of a corpus of books in my library. I just grabbed them up this morning. If there's anybody that doesn't need to spend money on books like this, it's me. Starting at the top. What is it? Uh, Something about smile for no good reason. You see these smile creases? You don't get them by being a grump. I don't even need that book. But I read it so I could help somebody else. Come on. Somebody just smile right now. It didn't break anything, did it? Some of y'all just need a smile revival. If I could get everybody in this house to smile this morning, we'd grow by six months, by 10% in the next six months. 10%. Smile. The Fred Factor. Awesome book. This Mark Sanborn. Met a guy. He was a bell bell man at at a hotel and had such a great attitude. He wrote a book about it. The power of nice. That's me. I don't need that book. How to conquer the business world with kindness. You know what? Since all this racial tension and mess that's going on in our world, I've been intentional, specifically about going up to people who are not like me in a restaurant, in a hotel. In a bank. I've always been kind. I've always been nice. But I'm going over the top. To smile. To acknowledge that somebody's in the room. Come on. Can the world use a little more kindness? Can we? A little more kindness. Ha! Huh? I've been going over the top. Extending myself. Sometimes people look at me like I'm a nut. Sometimes they look at me like I want something. I don't want anything. The only, one, only thing I want to do is help somebody's joy. And I'm going to get to that in a minute. That's all, that's all I want to do. In fact, just about everywhere I go, some of you have probably heard me say at a restaurant or somewhere, when somebody's doing a good job serving, I'll say, you're doing such a great job, I'm recommending you for a raise and a promotion. Raise your hand if you've ever heard me say that. My kids better raise their hand. I embarrass my family all the time. But I want to be kind. God help me to be more tolerant. God help me to be more patient. I know this is dramatic, but your kindness could dissuade someone who's planning to do something terrible. I was just in South Carolina. My wife and I went to a camp meeting and the superintendent said that his house flooded and the insurance company put him in a hotel for three months while their house was being remodeled and they had a new puppy and he said, I wouldn't recommend trying to potty train a puppy in the second floor of a hotel. He said he was out sometimes two o'clock in the morning walking the dog. And he ran into this other lady who was living an extended stay in this hotel. And she had a dog. And they started having an ongoing conversation. You know how it goes days. You know, a little bit here, a little bit there. And after a few days, he really felt like, you know, I really need to talk to her about the Lord. I really need to give her the gospel. I really need to reach out to her. And he felt a quickening to do it. But he noticed The next two or three days, her vehicle hadn't moved. And he brought it to the attention of the front desk and someone went to her room and she had ended her life about two days ago. Now, I know that's dramatic and that is crushing. But I'm going to tell you that somebody may need your joy. Somebody may need your peace. Somebody may need you to not just go in and do what you got to do and get it done. But they may need you to look around the room and be, have the power of nice and be kind. Hallelujah. Amen. What else do I got up there? Be a people person. The likability factor. Anybody want to buy a book? (laughs) If you ask me for it, I'll give it to you. Thinking. I love that title. Thinking for a change. Don't you know anybody that you wish would? (laughs) Listen. Paul thought himself happy. Every battle you face... Whether you're a believer or not, it will be waged in a battlefield called your mind. Right here. It's a small battleground, but big things happen. All of life is first lived in the mind. Proverbs 23, 7, as a man thinks, so he is. Before there's an action, there's a thought. Before there's an thought, there's a consideration which leads to an action, which leads to a destiny. Someone said, sow a thought, reap an action. Sow an action, reap a character. Sow a character, reap a destiny. The journey to your destiny begins in your cerebral cortex. It's no wonder the scripture says so much about the mind. Listen to 1 Peter 1:3. Gird up the loins of your mind We don't know what that means, so let me read it from the NLT. Prepare your minds for action and exercise self-control. Psalm 1914, let the words of my mouth and the meditation of my heart be acceptable. Lord, I'm filtering this thought through you. I'm filtering this idea. Is it acceptable? Listen to 2 Corinthians 10.3. This is where it all happens. Though we walk in the flesh, we do not war according to the flesh. The weapons of our warfare are not carnal, but mighty in God, the pulling down of strongholds, casting down arguments and every high thing that exalts itself against the knowledge of God, bringing every thought into the captivity to the obedience of Christ. Listen, I researched this. I dug into the Greek language that is very picturesque. And I research and I would present my research and the imagery of bringing every thought into the captivity of Jesus Christ. This is really deep, but I have a video I want to show you that demonstrates, can we show it? How we bring thoughts into the captivity. This is all Greek. Greek. What's he doing? Huh? He's roping that calf, and now he's tying it up. You didn't know that's what it meant in the Greek, did you? <laughs> Bringing every thought. That's what you've got to do. You've got to recognize, you know what? That's a ridiculous thought. I'm not acting on that thought. I'm not letting that thought get a foothold. Yahoo! I'm chasing that knucklehead down. Woo! I'm bringing it under the captivity. That's what you got to do. Wait a minute. Wait a minute. Wait a minute. minute. I'm not going to think about my husband that way. I'm not going to think about my wife that way. I'm not going to think about my boss that way. I'm not going to let the enemy put that attitude in my mind. I want to have the mind of Christ. I want to have the mind of Christ. Listen. Do you know that most all backsliders out of any brand or label of a church are there backslid because they got offended, because they got their feelings hurt, because a preacher said something, and maybe I've already said something today that hit somebody wrong. Just give me a break, would you? Just give me a pass. I really am a nice guy. Come on. Come on. I'm really trying to help somebody here today. I know I said something because about 10 minutes ago something tried to shut down what God has wanted to do in this place. But I'm sorry, just forgive me. I don't say that arrogantly because I want you to make it. I want you to make it. That's why you're here. That's why you came to church to survive and to try again. Just rope that thought and pull it down. Pull it down. I'm not saying it's easy. I've had to pull down thoughts. Come on, guys. you got to pull down thoughts of lust. you got to pull down thoughts of perversion. Jesus said if a man even visualizes or thinks about a woman sexually as committed adultery, the last place we need that is in the church. Come on, gird up the loins of your mind. Wrestle down every thought. I'm pulling that stronghold down. (laughs) Hallelujah. Romans 12, 2, do not be conformed to this world. The NLT says don't copy the behavior and customs of the world. Let God transform you into a new person by changing the way you think. I was thinking about Pastor Breedlove in Jefferson City this morning because they have an awesome celebrate recovery and we're modeling ours after theirs. And I'm trying to work out this whole theology, Les and Nicole and Brother Paul, Brother Terry, and all the others that are helping us. And you know, how how do we figure this out? And I remember Pastor Breedlove, I think he was like a 20-year addict, and then he got radically saved. And he was born again, and he repented, and he was filled with the Holy Ghost and baptized in the name of the Lord. And I think he's going to come and speak at our Celebrate Recovery at some point in the future. And after his amazing conversion, he was so happy. He walked into his apartment, first time saved, walking into his apartment. And he he said he sat down on his couch, and then he realized, whoa, that couch is stolen. So he ran over to the lazy boy, said, well, I'll sit over here. He goes, oh, wait a minute, that one's stolen too. (laughs) He thought, well, I'll just turn on the TV. He said, oh, the TV was stolen. Everything in his house was stolen. I can't relate to that. I don't get that. He went to his pastor and said, what do I do? Do I go and take all this stuff back? He said, uh, That might go kerplunk. He said, why don't you just give it to Goodwill and go get some honest furniture? That's what I'm talking about. New creatures. That's what I'm talking about An old life. That's not me anymore. Amen. That's not how I live anymore. I've got a new mind. I've wrestled that stuff down. I'm a new creature in Christ Jesus. Listen. I don't know how to say this I'm just trying to help but something is happening in this world there is an attack on sanity that's how I want to say it thank you Lord there's an attack on wellness and sanity in this world and I want to say You are not the crazy one. No, you're not. You know the story in Acts 27 of Paul in the ship. And when Paul got on the ship, uh, nobody listened to him, he was a nobody. It's a prisoner ship. He has no influence. He has no leadership ability there. But he gives them a warning. Says if you keep going, you're not going to like what's going to happen. The storm comes. And they're just, ah, that crazy preacher. Last time I looked, he's in shackles. He's headed to see Caesar. What a nut. Appeal to Caesar. That'll get him killed for sure. And the Bible says they started throwing tackle overboard. They're throwing food overboard. The guards wanted to kill the prisoners and the sailors wanted to jump off the ship. And everybody's lost their ever-loving mind. And listen, a storm will make you think things that you would never think. And a storm in your life will create an environment where you're capable of doing things you never thought you would be capable of. of. I have said things that I never thought would come out of my mouth. And I've thought thoughts that I never thought would enter my mind. And I've even done things I never thought I would ever do. How's that for being real? Come on. A storm will do that to you. But look what happened. The one that was thought to be crazy became the only one that had sanity on the whole ship. And I'm going to tell this church right now that this world, my father-in-law used to say, this world is headed for teetotal demon possession. And this world is losing its mind and it's going to have to lose its mind to come under the authority of the spirit of lawlessness, the spirit of iniquity, which is the spirit of Antichrist. And it's already at work and our battle is to keep our sanity. Our battle is to hold our peace. Our battle is to know what God is saying. And Paul stood up and he said, this night, An angel of the Lord came to me and said, Not one life is going to be lost. And we are the people who have the angels. Sister Tia said to me with tears, Pastor, there's three angels in this house today. I took that as a confirmation for my message. And I'm here to tell somebody, you are not losing your mind. You are not the crazy one. If you love this book, if you stand by its principles, you are not the one that's going insane. If you love God's word, God is going to back you up. Come on, let's all stand and receive the word of the Lord today. Hallelujah! (laughs) Let me tell you, in part, what inspired this message. Really two things, three things. The good work that our team did last month. And if someone could come to the keyboard. And I might have the whole choir in just a minute. I'm just giving you a warning. I may call you all up here in a minute. Uh, So Mental Health Month Awareness. And then on May 29th, about 9 o'clock in the morning, I was here. It was a Sunday. I was praying. And I felt the Lord quicken me to pray against the attack on sanity. This is the battle. And uh, Pastor Justin came to my office at 940. He said, there's somebody at the front door. I went to the front door. It was a gentleman who was here 30 days ago. I know him Well, in fact, he told me one time He heard me preach at a camp meeting in Wisconsin and him and his family moved here to help us, but we never saw him. They went to another house of worship. Listen, Paul said, because they received not the love of the truth, God sent them strong delusion. That's a form of insanity. That they should believe a lie. This is a day to love the truth. This is a day to come back to church. I said come back to church. Forsake not the assembling. Love the truth. Because God. Listen, when God sends you strong delusion, there's no recovery from it. He started coming here. I actually hired him on our project. He had some expertise in education. The contractor said yes, and it was a disaster. And we couldn't find him. We finally did, prayed with him. He came, sat here, told me. He said, the life church is not for me. The doctrine's not for me. This church is not for me. I had a concern, a deep reverential fear of the direction. That's about a year and a half ago. He shows up 30, about 45 days ago. I spoke with him. I said, why don't you let me call your mother? He was homeless, lost his job, lost his marriage, lost his family. He needed to be under doctor's care. I said, can I call your mother? Will you go stay with your mother? He said, sure, tell her to pick me up at CVS. She lives in Milwaukee. I called her while he was standing right there. She said, no, he can't come home. He needs to see a doctor. He needs to be under care. I'll never sleep. He throws things away. He's restless. I can't have him home unless he's under a doctor's care. I said, let me get you a place. He said, all right. I went back in my office. I came back in 20 minutes. He was gone. So that morning, May 29th, he's there. He's lost another 20 pounds. Brother Les, you walked right by him and didn't recognize him. I'm just saying, my pastor used to say, there's a nickel's worth of iodine in your pituitary gland. That is the difference between your sanity and your insanity. And if you have enough of a mind today to be in the house of God and lift your hands and say, thank God that I got my mind. Lord, thank God I love the truth. But for the grace of God. Come on. Get your mind back. Get your sanity back. Get your equilibrium back. Come on. Get your feet on solid ground again. Come on. Don't leave the ship. Don't leave the ship. Come on, stay with the church. Stay with the church. This world is going crazy. Okay. So, let me tell you what I believe the secret to sanity is it's joy. It's joy. Did you ever read your Bible where the night Jesus was betrayed, he's facing the cross? Pastor Caleb and I were talking about this not too long ago. Jesus led the disciples in a song. Can you sing? When you're facing the cross, someday I want to know what that song was. Ha! Ha! Probably it was Psalm 18, Caleb. What is it? 118. I missed a one. Psalm 118. He was betrayed. He walks in the room. He's discipled these guys for three years and the water is still in the basin and the towel is on the chair and nobody's touched it. You get it? No, he goes over there, and Judas, he says, "Go do whatever you're going to do." Jesus should have had a colossal meltdown, huh? He should have lost his mind. He should have went off on Judas. But that's not Jesus. That's not how Jesus does business. He says, "Judas, whatever you're going to do, go do it quickly." And when you get out of here, I'm going to wash feet. And then he sings a hymn. How could he do that? I don't even have time. I'm way out of time. I'm sorry. I did this two weeks ago, and I said I would never do it again. John 13. You go go and read it. The first five verses will change your life. The Bible said he knew why he was there. He knew where he had come from. And he knew where he was going. He was there to be a sacrifice. He had come from the Father. He was going back to the Father. And the reason that we're not going to lose our minds in the 21st century when the whole world is going crazy. And the reason we're going to keep our cool is because we know where we've come from. And we know where we're going. And we know why we're here. And we are children of God. We are children of God. Let this mind be in you that was also in Christ Jesus. I'm not losing my mind. I have a destiny. Come on. I want somebody to get your joy back. Jesus said that my joy might be in you that your joy might be full. The anecdote to insanity is the joy of the Lord. Come on, choir. I just told my wife this week, I said, I'm not a hype preacher. I don't know how to get people hyped up. I thank God I'm, I've never figured that out. But there's one thing I like to do. I like to discover biblical truth. And I like to see people hear it. And I like to see people. Come on. The world may be losing their mind around us, but there's going to be one place. Come on this is a house of joy this is a house of peace this is a safe house this is a house of hope this is a house of healing when the the choir was practicing today I surprised myself they were singing this song and I, I got about right here and I just did one of these and I looked at Zach, I said, "You never seen that move in me before, have you?" It inspired Zach, did you see him come out the platform today? Come on. This is a house of joy. Somebody need to get your song back. Jesus could sing. He could sing. <laughs> he could sing! When he was tempted, he could sing facing the cross. Come on up here. Come on up here. Come on. Come on. Thank you for listening to this message. For more content, follow us on Facebook, Instagram, and YouTube at The Life Church KC. Reference the episode notes for more details.